All right, we're back for another episode in conjunction with Upstream Reviews. Check this out, people. You know what that almost sounded like? Robbie the Robot. What? I would say it's a callback. Robbie but this little episode, R2. Yeah, a little R2. Yeah, let's, let's call it a callback for Robbie, but that episode airs next week. So next Wednesday, you'll get to meet Robbie the Robot and, and all the coolness that that entails. Um in the meantime, this is yet another movie review. Uh, you, The next week, we've got the retro movie reviews. This week, we're calling it Disney Reviews, Star Wars, the Ahsoka series. Uh, I don't know that we're going to come back for every Star Wars Ahsoka episode, but I had to name it something, and it's not exactly retro. So there you go. You're stuck with it, people. And uh, we're doing this in conjunction with the fine folks over at Upstream Reviews. So they'll be sharing this around. And uh, if you're coming to us from them, welcome. Thank you. We hope you enjoy your stay. Uh, and when you're done, remember to put your seat back in the upright position and, you know, lock that tray in place. And if you've got noisy kids, muzzle them for the sake of your neighbors. Uh, Nick, I understand that's like Border Patrol security policy, right? Like when you're traveling, you have to muzzle your kids. Oh, I, just just think that, <laughs> no, I don't think it's policy or anything official, but it is a good idea. <laughs> We're kidding, people. Obviously, that's that's humor. Please don't really abuse your kids. It's a joke. And uh, the side-eyed Stabby's giving us tells us she wasn't laughing as much as we were. <laughs> all right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction because that is the gruntastic way to do things, is it not, Nick? Grantastic. There you go. We should we should make a jingle for that. I mean, you can pay us like a bazillion dollars a download so we can, you know, get better jokes when we hire a comedian. Uh, anyway, <laughs> without further ado, since, yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, we've done the, the religion question already with all of the hosts, but we have not done the new religion question. So, Stabby, because we pretend we're civilized uh, human beings, and we're not always just knuckle dragging troglodytes. How do you take uh, your coffee or tea? Do you prefer what? Like, like, give us the lowdown on the stabby caffeinated policy. No pressure or anything. <laughs> um. So, coffee depends where I'm getting it from. So, if it's at the house, I like my pumpkin spice creamer. With my pumpkin spice whipped cream. <laughs> um, if I'm going to Starbies, I get the peppermint mocha. If they don't have peppermint mocha, I do um, uh, caramel macchiato. But my mm. favorite place is a place called, it's down the street. It's owned by um, uh, a Navy vet. And he, it's called Trident. And they only do cold brew coffee. And I can't remember what mine is called. But it's... Daily rations. Da daily rations? Daily rations. And it's very lightly sweetened. No nothing, no frills. Just very lightly sweetened. And it is delicious. It's like rum infused. It's so good. It's just, it's just there being good to you. <clears throat> yeah. All right. And uh, what about tea? How do you take your tea? Or do you not drink it? Um, that depends on mood. So okay. hot tea is for when you're sick. Sun tea is for the summer. 
and sweet tea is for football season. Wait, wait. You have sun tea that you don't sweeten? What kind of heresy is this? I'm from Las Vegas. That is. In the South, it's we call just sun tea. We, we we have sometimes referred to sweet tea as table wine because you just it's so ubiquitous at mealtimes. So if I drink my tea iced, it's sweetened. Although, you know, I don't want diabetes in a cup because I'm trying to get fit again. So I don't drink as much of that. Uh, coffee is with uh, equal parts uh, French vanilla creamer and coffee. But I, I do double brew the coffee. So I add twice as much of the beans. So it's twice as strong. So I'm basically making my own concentrate to balance because I still want the strong coffee. I just like that French vanilla creamer. And uh, that after, army sludge. Absolutely. This is the way. Uh, I, I will not drink instant anymore. I, I still see the, the instant powder and I get flashbacks to the war. It's, uh, it, it's a taste that will always put me back on those MSRs. So I just, I don't do it. Um, and tonight I am trying um, do-it-yourself creamer uh, that I found on TikTok channel called The Craftologist. Uh, she has recipes for all of your own creamers. Uh, I guess a lot of the creamer companies, I've never actually read the ingredients. I never pretended like I thought it was good for me. It was just good. Vegetable oil. Yeah, it's the vegetable oil. And so when they started adding that, she started making her own um, co or coffee creamer. And it's basically 14-ounce can of um, condensed milk, uh, two cups of half and half, although you could lower the calories by going to like regular milk or low-fat milk, and then depending on what flavor you want. So I'm trying that tonight. It came out a lot thicker than the uh, International Delight I used to use. So I'm trying less. I might, if it works, I've just saved 100 calories per cup, which means I can get one and a half cups a day instead of just one and still make my calories. There you go. Got to have those goals. I'm, I'm a sucker for a good coffee. I, I'm not super particular because if we go to like a diner, I just put half and half in it. Yeah. I don't put any sugar, nothing, just half and half because I love the taste of diner coffee. Yeah. And then, uh, and Stabby and I have talked offline. We're both basic bitches. So we like the pumpkin spice latte. No shame in our game. Nick can mock us all he wants to. He's so Nick, black coffee with syrup in it. Oh, what kind of syrup? Whiskey. Oh, Whiskey. <laughs> medicine. <laughs> this is medicine. All right, Nick. So, how do you take your coffee and do you drink tea too? Uh, I, I do drink both. I drink coffee. Um, I do like a caramel macchiato when I go to like, you know, the fancy schmancy places when I want to get a Copa Mocha, like a bullshit from Starbies. Um, <laughs> most of the time I'll just drink it black on my days off. I'll, I'll put a little, put a little medicine in it just to spice my day up. Uh, tea depends on the tea. Um, it's like Earl Grey, you know, like that black stuff. Uh, a little bit of, little bit of milk, two sugars. Um, green tea, just like you know, Ortiz said during our our last podcast. Um, I do like a little honey in it. Uh, if it's chai tea, I drink as is. Chai or the tea, Turkish is always, tea. Chai tea always makes me laugh. I had a friend that was Indian, and like chai literally just means tea in their language. Yeah. So what you're saying essentially is tea tea. Yeah, I like tea teas. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I drink, um, I drink, well, when I drink hot tea, if I'm sick, I'll drink um, half tea or a tea bag of peppermint with a tea bag of black or just the peppermint. That is great for your throat. And if you get as much chemical exposure as I did in the army, like they, they encourage um, non-traditional medicine where possible. So I'll, I'll try that. And honey is good. 
in, in, in black tea. I don't know like calorie count because I like so much honey in it. Again, I, I, the problem isn't what I like. It's just that what I like has too many calories. Oh, sometimes I get a little crazy and uh, I'll put uh, a slice of butter in my black coffee. A butter in your coffee? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is heresy or not yet. What do you think, audience? You're going to have to join us in on this one. Is he a heretic and do we have to burn him at the stake? Uh, there's a name for it. I can't remember what it is. I, I started doing it when I was doing like the keto diet. And that's something they would do. And then I found something called a collagen peptides. It's like a supplement and it comes in like a chocolate flavor. And then I start putting that in there and it's like 10 calories, but it's high in protein. And then it kind of gave it like a mocha flavor to it. It was pretty cool. Okay. The official verdict now with the craftologist uh, French vanilla creamer is instead of six ounces, I got away with four, and it tastes mostly the same. I could taste the coffee a little bit more, so I'm going to have to not heap as much into the uh, grounds, and I think I'll be okay. And I saved 147 calories per cup. Can't beat that. And enough of this health talk, because it's going to make me want a donut or something. Uh, Let's get on to the series that brought us here. Stabby, don't get jealous. I know you miss your Vegas donuts. They had one place, Nick, when we went to Vegas for that riding con where the donut, I swear, is as big as my freaking head. Yeah, the Homer? Yeah. I, I just. Is it, it's Pink's, right? Pink's donut? Yeah. Pink box. What? Pink box. Pink box, yeah. Pink box donuts. Yeah, my, my mom and I had to split that one. We couldn't finish one by ourselves. It was freaking nuts. And, and half of it, yeah, at the halfway mark, you're like, I don't know if I can keep doing it, but I got to power through because I ain't no quitter. They have a Pop-Tart one, too. Mama didn't raise no punk. That's right. All right. So we're here today, if you if you looked at the episode, to talk about the new Disney show on Star Wars, the uh, Star Wars Ahsoka series, which uh, the plot basically is former Jedi Knight, uh, although that was she their description. She's not a Jedi. That is we'll Disney's description. Yep, the Disney's description, because this is where I pulled it. Former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano investigates an emerging threat to a vulnerable galaxy. So let's dig into that description real quick, since that's what brought us here, right? Yes, First sir. First off, is anyone ever a former Jedi? Because once you're trained, you have those powers, right? You're Force-sensitive. Um, like, there's Sith that were never Jedi. So, um, yeah, being a... Being force sensitive doesn't automatically make you a Jedi. No, no, I understand that. But he, if you have the training, like, do, do Marines ever stop being Marines? Or are they former Marines? Or are they ex Like, that kind of mentality I've always sort of applied to the Jedi. Do they ever stop being Jedi, even if they leave the Order? They've still got well, all the Well, I mean, technically, yeah. She left the Order. She was expelled from the Order. Um, and her previous rank prior to that, her rank prior to being expelled from the Jedi Order, was Padawan. She was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. So it's like um, getting kicked out during boot camp. Except they were a little bit more active than boot camp trainees were. But what what really Oh they're they're leading platoons as Padawans. So I actually had a guy that got uh booted for not showing up to drill. Um and so he got the you know sent him straight to the IRR and then when they he got booted out as an E three they demoted him when they booted him to E two when he got called back several years later under the IRR because I was in a composite unit somehow he ended up corporal 
he ended up a corporal. I'm like, how did like getting booted out and demoted end up with a promotion? I, I never understood. The IRR is a strange cat, man. It's a strange cat. So yeah, you well, could be in the IRR as like an E3 and they'll, they'll do um, time in service. So E4 is an automatic rank after what? 24 months. Years. Yeah. So two years, you're in E4. Uh, if they already got them task org, because a lot of them do, it's like people by region in the IRR. So if they ever get called up, they're already kind of quasi organized. Um, he may have been just like, <laughs> they just picked him like, oh, well, we need a team leader. Oh, that guy, he's a, he's a specialist. Uh, make him a corporal. Cool. Yeah, he did not make sergeant. He he was very upset, and we're like, you got booted for like not. You essentially deserted your unit. You're lucky you're not an E1. Yeah, but uh, I felt was, like it, he still would be an E4 by the time he got called up. Yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true. I kind of felt like that vibe going on with Ahsoka because it's like they did boot her as a Padawan. Somehow she goes from Padawan to Jedi Knight. I, I don't yeah. understand. That. I don't. There there must be a book or a couple of books or a series of books out there that take place in between all that stuff that fill the gaps. I can't read them all because there's so many of them. And most um, of them are trash. If I did a little digging, maybe I could find out why she got promoted to Jedi Knight because only a Jedi master can knight her. So yeah, um, it, it would was... have to be, I don't know. Did it happen in season two of the Mandalorian or in the book? Of, no, the book of Boba Fett when she showed up with Luke Skywalker. I'm out right now. Oh, she's well. While well, Stabby's Stabby's hoogling stuff, I it felt like either they ex and this was my complaint when we well, we're going to go over the ad copy, but before we we play the trailer, it felt like in all of their advertising, like I didn't know this was even coming out um, until you told us, hey, let's do this review. I think they're relying so heavily on the nostalgia factor. And all of the diehard fans just going on yep. and you know picking up whatever they shovel out that they didn't even bother on the ad copy because what I found was kind of crap. Yeah, because um, they're they're going for the nostalgia thing because their two most popular animated series was Clone Wars and Rebels. So this is essentially, and you notice, I don't know, you've never seen Rebels, um, but the diehard people that like will watch the animated stuff, like me and Stabby. We're like, man, we might as well just call this Ahsoka and the Rebels because it's just a live action version of Rebels just years later. <clears throat> yeah, I've actually seen I've seen some of the Star Wars Rebels and I've seen some of the Clone Wars. I never did the um, Bad Batch Clone Wars. Uh, we started strong. watching them and then life got crazy and we just kind of forgot to go back to them. Um, yeah. I, they weren't bad. Um, they definitely made you hate the Jedi a little bit. Yeah, they're pretentious ass clowns. Especially that one that uh, the, the weird looking one who uh, charged the ones with mutiny because like he was intentionally trying to get them to assassinate each other, like creating incidences where there was white on white, like clone on clone combat. Blue on blue crime. Blue yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 you read that and you're like, how are the Jedi's the good guys here? That it's, you got to look at Jedi as a religion, you know? So like, you got the Catholics that were responsible for the Crusades. You know, you got, you know, the you know, Muslims, they had their own thing going on way back in the day, you know. So it's if you look at it as religion, the Jedi makes sense and how you feel about them makes sense. Because I've met a lot of Christians. I've met people of every faith that I'm like, you're a religious person. You're kind of a D-bag. 
you know, so it would make sense that the Jedi would have that. Then you have the Sith where they're all D-bags, so you don't have to worry about them. It's like, I know what you are. You're probably the most, per you're probably the most trustworthy person because I know you're going to lie to me. Yeah. Um, it makes right. sense, kind of. <laughs> all right, so. What they're saying is she wasn't officially made a Jedi master or knight. Okay. But when they, when Anakin proved that she wasn't guilty of the bombing, um, she, they, the council basically said, well, you know, that was your trials. Oh, and she great became a knight. Trial. I forgot about that and in the Clone like, Wars. Yeah. You're, you're a Jedi knight. You just have to come back. Yeah. So? And then Order 66 happened. Yeah, so she got invited back. I forgot about that episode that they, uh, they when she was proved innocent, mm -hmm. that uh, there was another Jedi that was doing it. Yeah, they they said that was her trials, and because the trials are different for every Jedi, apparently. Yeah. And uh, like sometimes you got to go, you know, pull the ears off a of Gundark, or you got to take on a Rancor, or sometimes you just got to prove yourself innocent for not being a terrorist. <laughs> so, yeah, and she never came back. She's like, hey, I don't need this. You guys should have believed me from the beginning. And she bounced out and she started working with uh, traitors, pirates, things and like that. And then 66 happened. And then there was no one to confirm. So, she's half-knighted. She is, but she isn't. It was never official. All right, so since we're talking about the... Since we're talking about the ads and the lack of quality and nostalgia, like this is what I could find. It's kind of their movie posters. So this is one of them. This is Ahsoka with her, you know, single uh, light sword or light sword, lightsaber, um, which isn't, you know, the artist is good. It's well shot image. Well, it's, it's Disney. Yeah. They have an awesome graphic design team out there. Um, there was a couple of covers. This is another one I particularly liked because I like the temple in the background. And you can see her with her dual lightsabers. Uh, this is from her on the Mandalorian. Yeah, obviously. she showed up in season two. Um, this is another one, Star Wars Ahsoka. And you talked about um, Star Wars Rebels. You've got her, uh, her little friend Ezra on the left. Um, I think that's Ezra, right? Yeah, that's Ezra. Um, and then uh, Grand Admiral Thawne, Thrawn, uh, but that is not how I picture him. I, I think this is a fan-made one. Nope, it's Disney. Really? That's from Disney? It's official. Yeah. This, this is official Disney. So, and Thrawn is going to show up? Well, the Mandalorian on the far right is um, Sabine Wren. Sabine. No, I'm talking about the Mandalorian. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Maybe. But this is the uh, the third one. I, I'm just not impressed with the way they made Thrawn look. Uh, yeah, no, because he's no. That's I don't know. Maybe it'll look better during the episode. I I don't know. And this is another See, one. See, look, oh, there's, is... there's a different dude, a Thrawn. Oh, this is a fan made one. Okay, never mind. That okay. doesn't. Matter. So I think the other one's probably fan made too. Yeah, let me see if I can figure out. Uh, posted, designed by, yep. Well, it was uh, part of the search criteria is that we have to uh, have like not be violating IP laws. So right. I go for things in the public domain and I didn't catch it. So uh, fans are out there making okay art for a fan made art. That wasn't bad for oh, the last two. Fan, 
the fan films in the early 2000s were amazing. I like the ones that told the average everyday clone trooper because that's what intrigued me about this universe, right? Yeah. And if you look at the the way the rebels were fighting, like the asymmetrical warfare, and maybe that's our our time under the GWAT getting in the way. But when I look at that, I'm like, how are the rebels not the terrorists? They absolutely um, are. But you got to understand the uh, the winner gets to write history. This is true. I just you know you look at it, you know your your lens changes, and I get why people thought the Empire were the good guys. If you really want to understand how asymmetrical warfare and uh, uh, insurgencies work, uh, there's a great book called The War of the Flea, and it goes back all the way into the 60s, um, all the stuff we were doing with Vietnam, stuff that was going on in Cuba, Honduras, Venezuela. So it's pretty much like a, uh, a how-to guide to be a rebel. And I think yeah, I'm gonna... our, these guys definitely read that book in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, so this is some of the, uh, the three main characters because – one of the a lot of the fans described this as the lady hour because it was Sabine Wren, Ahsoka Tano, and General and Hera. Hera. I can't remember her last name if she had one. Hera, um, um, hold on, I got it. I got it queued up. Oh, now my mouse doesn't want to work. That's convenient. Well, it kind of worked. No, that's your mouse. Damn it. <laughs> uh, look, all right, we just got to stop talking about classified stuff. Sindula. What is it? Sindula. Sindula. Yeah. Oh, that's there a you very go. Twilight name. Yeah, and she was a Twi'lek, so it fits. Well, I guess was, uh, I should say is, since she didn't stop being one. Um, yeah, so that is, uh, this is some of the fan art, or the fan art. This is some of the um, the media that was released for the uh, for the show. Then you have some some scenes of the them all kitted up. Uh, so again, yeah. cinematography, the artistic aspect of this, I mean, it was nostalgia drool factor for anyone that, that grew up watching the original stuff, right? It was like everything you loved about Star Wars in four, you know, four K or four whatever. Yeah, uh, and Rebels this is didn't the air that long ago. Yeah, this is the official Thrawn image, and still, I'm not impressed. I don't know. Hopefully, the dude has some acting chops. I I don't remember who's actually playing. I like this one. I, I like that they made the swords different lengths. Uh, and I just, I'm digging what they're picking. I'm picking up what they're putting down with the imagery. But again, the problem with Star Wars was never the artistic imagery. It was the storytelling. It's always the storytelling. Um, so we're going to pull up, um, some of the main characters. We've got Balin, uh, who I thought was actually a pretty cool cat. Like I I liked, uh, he kind of reminded me of, uh, um, a Steven Seagal and his acting style and his, his martial arts was all, plotting but it didn't come across as fake no so, and it's ray stevenson he's a, a tremendous actor um not only does he have great acting chops too he uh he's a physical actor too i yeah I mean, remember rome yeah series back in the day that's i can't remember his name in rome but uh, yeah that's where i noticed him then he became the punisher so like he's so, he likes physical roles but he can also act the hell out of stuff he's he's great and he's he, missed. He, yeah, he. I don't know what they're going to do in the storyline because he died in person before the character died. And I don't know if this character is even going to die. So they're probably going to have to recast or write it out. Maybe gets frozen in carbonite, never to be seen again. I, I just think that would be a disservice, kind of like how they did uh, Chadwick Bosman uh, 
for the Black Panther, I think that's someone, I think he would want that character to live. And I think Ray would want that character to go on if it's not, if he's not killed off in the series, but we're only two episodes in. Yeah. And then the next one will have dropped. Uh, we're going to air this on the day the third episode drops. So um, this is Sabine Wren uh, in her Mando kit. Uh, she cut her hair at that, that scene. This is comparing her art to the, the cartoon art. So, I yeah. mean, you can see they did a, pretty good job casting her right or is from the pure aesthetics like even down to the nose shape right yeah, uh, this is job. her before she cut the hair i mean it's a blurry image but uh i had to clip them from disney's uh marketing stuff um my girl with her phoenix hair <laughs> yeah I, I had a real problem with that sword fire we're gonna get to that in a minute i'm just trying to show you some of the characters because i grabbed some of the bands so we went over ahsoka balin um we went over the movie posters i think um we oh yeah here's the uh side by side of the ahsoka in the cartoon because i think that's important so you can kind of see there we go so this is her um on the right is the actress playing her and then this is the younger version of that character in cartoon and again like I, i've got no complaints on the she was I mean, she was casted purely on fans because they had, they had put out on their social media, like who who would you who are your top five actresses that could play Ahsoka Tano? And they only got one. Everyone was Rosario Dawson, Rosario Dawson, Rosario Dawson. So she got that role from the fans. Um, yeah, and this one, she almost looked like it's she's got the shorter a short sword and a long sword the way they're lit up. Yeah, her fighting style is kind of like a uh, Japanese samurai. I guess I don't need to say Japanese. But uh, they'd have you'd have the short. There's a name for it: the short sword, and then the longer, you know, sword. And it's even a little bit flatter than most Jedi sabers. You know, her yeah. actual saber is, um, you know, uh, like a cylinder, so it's circular. And then her short sword is uh, it's almost flat. You know, it's got enough for the, you know, for the crystal to fit in. And even the blade's a little flat too, almost like the black, the dark saber. Yeah, we were yeah. Talking about that when we were watching it, it's like, why is hers yeah. kind of flat? It, it was, like um, I don't know. Like, I came into this wanting to like this show. Like, I, I, I had nostalgia. I hadn't watched some of the flops because they kind of flopped before I got there. Um, and so, for for the stats before we, we dive in, because we're going to show the intro clip, so we can start breaking it apart. So this series was directed by David Filoni. Uh, it costs you about $9.99 a month because it's your subscription service. Each episode's between 30 to 57 minutes. Um, and it was released officially August 22nd, 2023, in case you are um, looking at this years from now. Um, and again, like I said, I thought the ad copy was pretty weak. What did you guys think? Because you guys knew it was out, so you saw the ad copy before I did. Uh, I don't think they hit um, the advertising machine as hard as they usually do with their shows probably because a lot of people are uninterested with what disney's putting out as far as tv series on popular properties like marvel and star wars um so i think they're just kind of hoping the fans would thing that i saw about it was that it was being released on our anniversary it was supposed to be released originally on the 26th they dropped it three days early to the 23rd to the 23rd it says the 22nd officially i think that's because at 11:59 is when they dropped it yeah, but, uh, 
Because that stuff we do, we'll wait. Like when Zack Snyder's Justice League came out, we waited till 12.01 and then watched a four-hour movie. And then I went to work the next day. So there's fans out there that do that crazy stuff like us. Oh, yeah. By the way, All right, so what? Sword, the long swords are called, together, are called uh, the Daisho. The, the what? D-A-I-S-H-O. Daisho. Daisho. Okay, I didn't know that. It's a katana and, and a wakiana together. Katana and wakiana? Okay. And if we pronounce it wrong... Fabi says the Weebos can send her all the hate mail that might be the first girl they talk to in their life. And she'll oh. answer back, which will also be a first. <laughs> I, I, we kid because we care. All right, let me pull up the um, official trailer. Uh, grab your popcorn because we're going to do this thing, people. War is inevitable. One must destroy in order to create. We are no Jedi. I started hearing whispers of Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. What happens when we find Thrawn? Power. Such as you've never dreamed. I've spent most of my life fighting a war. That's why I'm trying to convince you to help me prevent another one. You and I both know who could help you with this. She's still just as stubborn as ever. I bet your master found you difficult at times. Anakin never got to finish my training. I walked away from him, just like I walked away from Sabine. You never made things easy for me. Master. As a Jedi, sometimes you have to make the decision no one else can. But I'm counting on you to see this through. Nice haircut. Sometimes we have to do what's right, regardless of our personal feelings. Buckle up. If we don't stop Thrawn, everything will be in vain. You have no power. Anakin spoke highly of you. I'm not here to discuss my past. We have a lot of work to do. Once a rebel, always a rebel. Nice. So uh, I will say when you watch this, some of the combat scenes were sped up. If they had done that yeah. in the actual show, I would have less complaints because I felt like I was watching combat in slow motion. Like you would do on a training exercise when you're learning the moves. What, what it really felt like is the original fight scene in Star Wars between Vader and Obi-Wan, you know, two geriatrics going at it. That, that's what those fight scenes kind of look like. Um, I don't know. Did Balin have a fight scene? In the first two episodes, I don't think so. Yes, he actually did. You guys, so 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 first off, we'll get to that. So, what did you think of the trailer? I mean, I thought it was well done. Uh, it is. It still gives me goosebumps. Um, and I don't know if it's because I just have an undying love for Star Wars, no matter who's trying to screw it up. Kathleen Kennedy, I'm looking at you. 
or it's uh, it was well done, or it's that I'm a fan of Clone Wars and Rebels. I don't know, like uh, mainly I because Star Wars always been with me has been like not other other than the special effects, the dialogue has always been great. You know, they 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 know how to get the hairs on your neck stand up with like inspirational speeches or and stuff like that. They they're they losing their touch there. They're yeah, you got people that actor. people that are trying to replicate Lucas's dialogue you know i i wouldn't be surprised at this point if they've got chat pt chat gpt plugged in with all of his old scripts yeah. to uh to try to try to do this because and it's just it feels like some some of the newer stuff feels like people that were never fans trying to make movies in a universe they don't like so rather than respecting what it was they're trying to turn it into what they thought it should have been but if their value and their vision was that good, they would have created their own thing. They wouldn't need to leech on and latch on. I think it's a lot of fanfic, to be honest with you. It feels like yeah. a lot of fiction. And it's like, it's from fans that looked at it like, oh, I could write a better thing than that. Oh, that was corny. Oh, that was dumb. I would have done this. I would have done that. And then they built a career to get to that point inside Lucasfilm. And they start forcing their crappy ideas. I mean, look at Ryan Wilson in the last, or Rain Wilson, Ryan Wilson, Ruin Wilson is what I call him. The guy who did the last Jedi. That, that was just shitty, shitty fanfic. It's like, Oh, okay. What if you don't, it's like star Wars is at least that is in the movies is the Skywalker saga. That's its little subtitle. So to try and take away from Skywalker from that family in a movie is just like, dude, you don't know your audience. You definitely don't know your subject matter. But anyway, back to a subject. It's like one of the cardinal rules: you don't kick puppies. Yeah, you don't don't mess with cats. Yeah, you know. So, uh, Stabby, what did you think overall of the of the fan of the trailer? Excuse me. Um, I guess I liked it. Um. I'd have to say the trailer really pulled me in. It really made me want to watch it. I was really excited about it. I was really excited to see what Ahsoka's been up to since everything went down. Um, I like that they didn't give too much away. I hate when you watch a trailer or a commercial or whatever and all of the action scenes are right there in the trailer. So the fact that it gave you a little bit here, a little bit there, you know, it's just, I, I liked how it came out. I did. I, I think there's sometimes you see movies and it's like every cool scene and every cool whatever was in the trailer. And when you watch the rest of the movie, you're, you feel cheated. Um, there's a little bit of that going on with this one. Um, I don't know that the trailer seemed to be mostly clips from the first two episodes. There were other episodes in there too. The, the, when you watch that fight scene, it looks well choreographed. It's, it's fast paced. Like combat is most combat doesn't go on for hours. It's over pretty quickly. Yeah, because um, it gets it gets tiring, man. Especially sword I mean, like I, I wrestled in high school. There's a reason there is you know only three rounds of three minutes each, and right. anytime yeah. you go past into overtime, it's like 
oh my God, how are they alive territory, right? Like that's a thing for a reason because it's that level of strain. So yeah. when you watch it at that speed, okay, that, that works for me. When you get to the actual episodes where it's not sped up for the trailer, it's like you're watching Granny go through it in slow motion. Yeah, the, the fight choreography was was very slow. And I don't know if there's a reason behind that. Like it was done, like it was a conscious thought to do it that way. Or maybe they just, it looks like they didn't prep. It's like you know, some Steven like, Seagal fanboys who think you have to go at minus the speed of light. Or actually speed yeah. of light. Like, error. I don't know, like it, just, it did feel really slow. They meant to speed it up in editing and just. Yeah. And, and Nick and I, when you and I were. When you and I were talking in the in the pre-show, um, we had mentioned, well, maybe they just didn't give him the training like they gave him in the first series. But you read through some of the the media that's out there on the Disney, they actually talked about training for three months in the sword stuff. So they, they don't have that as an excuse either. Then there has to be another reason. Um, maybe it's a long time since either the Inquisitor and Ahsoka have dealt with sword play. Uh, maybe because there is a force slowing power. Maybe they're both using that. Um, yeah. That could be a thing. And I noticed that the, uh, the MacGuffin so far in this is the same MacGuffin in uh, the video game Jedi Survivor that I just started playing. They're both looking for this planet. And I'm going to give you a spoiler here. That planet's called Tantalor. So I had to do the same thing in the game. Line up really some mystical stuff from the the witches of Dothmir or Dormir. The Night Sisters. Just the call them the Night Sisters. Sisters. Yeah. You know, because there's a Night Sister in the Jedi games, Survivor and the one... Is it Morgan Elspeth? No, it's not. It's different. It's uh, Her name's Marin. So, so Morgan Elspeth said she's the last survivor of her sisterhood, so... Is yeah. it the game not canon, or is it different? No, the game is absolutely canon, but I believe the game, because the game takes place, uh, the first game took place like two to three years after the fall of the Republic arrived with the Empire. And right. We're deep into the Empire's reign. So, and Ahsoka takes place around the same time frame as the Mandalorian, so you're dealing with five to ten years after the, you know, Fall of the Empire. And so it's after the fall of the Empire, but before the New Republic. I mean, right. but before the, the New the New Order, excuse me. Yeah, before New Order. So um, I think the game's objective, once you get through it, is you make it to Tantalor. Okay. And then it gets lost again. So that's what I'm kind of, because I was no noticing some similarities. I was playing the game, and they're like, oh, yeah, we haven't watched Ahsoka yet. So we watched Ahsoka, and I'm like, wait a minute. They did the same thing, shot a beam out into space that's, they call it the abyss in the game, that takes you to this, you know, galaxy outside of theirs that's actually in between two other galaxies. So um, I'm kind of, makes me interested in two things, seeing where the Ahsoka story plays out and playing this game so I could maybe have some more insight on what's going on with Ahsoka. And Lucasfilm has really been good with that, with tying in things of, you know, stories from other uh, mediums to whatever they're currently doing with the live action stuff. Okay. Uh, so who do you see as the main characters for this one? 
have you go first. I talk too much. <laughs> um, I'd have to say definitely Ahsoka, obviously. That's the title character. Because if she's if she's not front and center, then we have a bigger problem with this show than the slow choreography. <laughs> but I think Sabine is really gonna step up and be her number two. And okay. then I, I'm a sucker for green anything, so Hera is my girl, and I want to see her come into her own and really become a part of the team, not just the person over the comms. I did like that scene where she's like, I'm okay with testing it, and when they were trying to save the robot information, and we don't want to give too many spoilers, but it had a failsafe. If you mess up, the thing goes boom. And she's like, I'm okay with trying it. And the line was like, well, yeah, you're a holograph. Nothing happens to you in real life. Right. That was that was an okay one-liner. I, and, I love her. And Marissa was like, oh, why do I love this droid so much? And I was like thinking about it. And I'm like, because I'm really good at picking up voices and voice actors. And I'm like, you know why you love him? Because that's the 10th Doctor. That's David Tennant. David Tennant. Which is my Which favorite. Huong? Huong, the robot, the yeah. um, general yeah, the, robot? The, the, the Jedi, the Jedi droid from I think he was so old he was part of the High Republic. He was. Uh, he said he'd been training Jedi for five hundred years. Yeah, that puts you right around the end of the High Republic. And he remembers training everybody to make their hilts. Yeah, so he identified. I think it's a thousand. So that tells you how little Jedi there are at any particular time. And he, that's how he knew who. Um, well, because even in the prequels, they they let it be known that there was Jedi. only like two hundred active Jedi. You know. Yeah. So I actually agreed. I thought the three main characters that they had the poster on, where it was the the green general Hera, Ren, and uh, and Ahsoka, I thought were. So what did you think of them as characters? Because obviously, you know, for, if you're listening, we're only um, analyzing the first two episodes that dropped um, recently. But what were your thoughts on the characters? Uh, when it comes to Ahsoka, I think she's seen she's matured a little bit. She's already kind of mature um, in Clone Wars and Rebels, because uh, in Rebels she fought her old master while he was you know, after he had to convert her to be Vader. Um, so she's that youthful spirit and optimism. It's kind of fainting. It's at, it's on its last legs. Uh, Sabine Sabine is still Sabine. She's still the this just wild child, you know. And Hera was always the tactician in Rebels, so she's it makes sense that they made her a general. You know, yeah. she was a damn pilot, but she was she was very tactical. She had a tactical mindset to her, which was awesome. Um, Not that they used a whole lot of tactics in the Star Wars universe. It was no, um, that was never their high point ever, even under George Lucas. Yeah, but, I mean, she was. so if you really want to. <laughs> circle those three out. You have Ahsoka, the big sister, the serious one, the one that takes the world on her shoulders. You have Hera, the middle sister, who knows when she needs to get down to business, but likes to make jokes about it. And then you have Sabine, the little sister, that's just the wild child, gets a lot, gets away with everything, and blames everything on the bigger sisters. Yeah. Being okay. a middle child. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, Ahsoka came off as very jaded to me. Um, I, I saw none of the optimism, and she was definitely slower on the uptake in this series than she was on the Rebels because she was like fast on her feet. I don't know how much time has passed between Rebels and this. Uh, she she appears to be middle aged uh, based on just the actress, and I'm not saying that as a dig. Uh, and obviously, we all get slower as we get older. And that's if it's just her age is, is slowing her down. That's enough of a reason. I mean, you know, the Jedi abuse their bodies regularly. Oh yeah, they're uh, the Delta Force of the Star Wars universe, but with nine swords. and twelve years. What is it? It's between nine and twelve years. Rebels was? Rebels. Oh okay. How old was she in Rebels? Uh, she was a teenager. She was. So she is not old enough to justify that level of slowness. Well, Clone Wars lasted 10 years. She is 47 years old So she, yeah, in the show. Yeah, she's damn near 50. That doesn't track. Is that from Wikipedia? Or Wikipedia? Wikipedia? I don't know. I don't know. Wikipedia, like, how reliable is that as a source? Wikipedia is. Wikipedia, not so much. Okay, well, while we're going to pause for a moment, right here, she was 31 in Rebels. So, okay. yeah, I mean, okay, so she's old enough that that could explain it. I, well, depending on this, the racial stats, because, you know, her race might age differently, right? Yeah, and I can't remember the name of her race. Um, I can't either, but but so, I mean, it's, it's eh, okay, we'll, we'll give them a pass just on chronology until we have reasons not to, but it definitely felt slow. But we're going to pause for a moment. Uh, if... Those of you who are listening on um, the Spotify and all the podcast, the audio only, um, we'll try to make sure we're describing what we're seeing. And uh, we appreciate you sticking with us right now because we're about to do that commercial. And um, for those of you who are watching, uh, thank you for pausing for that five seconds while, while we had the, the gap we needed. And uh, yeah, this was sponsored by Upstream Reviews, who were nice enough to, to hook a brother up or a sister in this case, Madam Stabby. Um, and, and sponsor this review, and we're doing some, some work in conjunction with them. So uh, with that being said, let's get to it. So we talked about some of the slow combat. So coming back, let us, uh, let's show that opening scene. Uh, for this, this is the opening scene of season one where you can see Balin in the slow moving, but his doesn't feel as, as slow, even though he's moving as slow as it did with Ahsoka, just because of the style. So let's, uh, let's, let's roll that beautiful bean footage. Oh, shoot, they're going to sue us. You're right about one thing, Captain. We are no Jedi. Medics in the detention room. The captain's dead. So are half the security detail. How many targets are there? Two. But they split up.
Balin, you are true to your word. And well paid for it, Lady Morgan. The Jedi who captured me seeks the map. She knows about Thrawn. Who is this Jedi? Ahsoka Tano. The Empire attacks Ashoka's base and uh, the uh, Empire. <laughs> Sorry about that. We'll get used to that. We'll get used to that. Uh, so the the Clip Kings is a channel I do cite him. Um, he has a lot of the clips that we used. So at the end, he analyzes it. Um, but uh, it's definitely if you like the clips, it's it's definitely worth checking out. It was very helpful because uh, I do not have the setup to grab it um like someone like a nerd rotic or any of the other channels uh it's a gundam that do these kind of reviews i do not know how they get their clips um so i had to borrow someone else's but we cite our source people we do um so, so I searching, and ahsoka's race is the togruta so fun name to say but <laughs> Their typical life expectancy is similar to a human. They're between 82 to 94 years old. But the Force-sensitive Togrudas can be lived. Can be lived. They can live. They can live to be upwards of 200 years old. So with her at 47, but she's Force-sensitive, so... She's still kind of a teenager. Yeah, so it's it's I don't know, it's up for interpretation because living yeah. and living in good shape are not always the same thing, uh, you know. So so it's in the realm of possibility that it's it's just chronology that's uh, slowing her down. Uh, they, there's enough plausible deniability that I'll give them the room to hang themselves if if it comes to that. Right, give them a reason. Yeah. Um. I will say that Balin was just as slow as Ahsoka as in her later combats, which we'll show those scenes. But because Shin, his uh, apprentice, was so fast, like apprentice, or was she considered his Padawan? That she had a Padawan braid, so apprentice Padawan's the same deal. Um, it's just the names are different. So she, because she was so wild and erratic, like the untrained, overly excited. Oh, I remember this move and that move, and I'm just having fun. Because she was so frenetic in her combat, it made his slowness come across as just steady experience. Like, he didn't need to waste those movements. He had um, probably a little bit more powerful in the force due to age and study. Um, and and he, his character had more gravitas with it, so it didn't feel as geriatric in slow motion. He was, I, I don't, he was very Vader-esque without all the hard work. Very controlled. So, yeah. oh, like a powerful, like a more powerful Dooku. So you know? that's ironic that you said that because I was just thinking about uh, the battle on Sky City, the floating city that um, um, yeah, Flood City. Lando, yeah, Lando. When when um, Darth Vader went and cleared that out, like the yeah. almost sequence for sequence, there was a lot of overlap down to the dorky little white helmets that had weird shapes for no reason, just for aesthetics. So I, I I don't know the it definitely hit the nostalgia factor with that opening combat and my guess is that is entirely what they were going for. Yeah, to 
to have that connection to the original Star Wars. So um, with the rebellion, with them wearing those white helmets, which is also the same helmet just modified for the Imperial side for the Death Star gunners. It's the same World War II naval gunner helmet that American sol- American sailors used to wear that in World War II. Um, so yeah, it did bridge that gap. It brought in the nostalgia factor. And I think that's what we're going to find in a lot of future Star Wars is they want to try and create new stuff, but just in case they hang themselves with it, there's a nostalgia factor to bring in the old fans, the, the, the old school guys. Which now I'm kind of falling into that category due to my age. You know, the OGs. Yeah, um, I will say that the one thing I didn't like on that opening scene is they showed it when you saw um, the, the fight scene on the bridge. Their uniforms looked very, the tan khaki look, it just, it, oh, it just something about it didn't look right with the blue and white on top. Like yeah. fire their costumer for that scene. Cause oh my God, that's uh, ugly. Well, you got to think about it too. The, re- the rebellion as a uniform force, now that it's part of the, the building blocks of the new Republic. Um, it's a, uh, they're, they're finding their way with what their uniforms are because you'll notice that a lot of like rebel um, that's what I'm looking for anyway rebels that win rebels that are successful and they take over whatever um, they don't want to be associated with the the violence and stuff like that from the past so they end up changing their uniforms and right now they're just kind of like uh, I guess this looks okay <laughs> you know we don't really want to use the rank structure from when we were at war because now we're at peace because we won and we're trying to like, you know, stirring reconstruction, you know, so everyone's changing their uniforms. What does everybody have in their closet that matches? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're going to go with the summer bottoms and the winter tops. Yeah, cool. It's oh, um, the, Navy, the Navy went through that period when they were trying to get away from the dungarees and the khakis and for a while they just looked like the good humor man. It gave me that vibe. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. Yeah, where it's like the black pants and the white top that was popular for a while, and then it was the black pants and the brown shirt. And, and then they went to that like blue camouflage that their uniforms were turned orange when it contacted salt water. It's like as right. a, it's like what what uniform best describes us as an organization? So there's some like growing pains going on there. It's like I, I we're trying to find our identity through wardrobe. <laughs> it did have some of the um, stereotypical imperial rank uh, like button things that they put on there. Yeah, it's like they were trying to merge the two, you know, because it was a galactic civil war. I mean, I mean, the stormtroopers, they were all conscripts at that point. Um, they got rid of the clones, um, the officers, you know, so a lot of, it was a lot of brother versus brother. And I think it was kind of an allegory to that in the earlier films you know, that it was a civil war. So it makes sense that they're kind of like trying to merge it together to, to like, uh, yeah, we were, we're no longer fighting each other. We're, we can come back together. So how we're going to do that is, I don't know. I'm pulling that out of my fourth point of contact. It makes sense though. Cause this, this universe definitely feels lived in. Uh, George Lucas gave them such an amazing playground to start with. So, oh, top rating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm digging it. Um, so we have the uh, the opening the opening scene. Um, uh, let's see. 
Um, we talked about the slow fighting, and we've hinted at what Ahsoka's doing for fighting. So we're going to show the opening scene for her combat scene. We're going to throw that in there real quick. And so uh, watch this one with us. All right. Thank you, Mr. Clips King. Again, I didn't hit it fast enough because I keep forgetting that's there. Uh, it is what it is. All right. So first off, that ending scene, I mean, it was like we watched Ahsoka do the truffle shuffle. Uh, how did she not die? Uh, she didn't how did she not run that? Running. Yeah. That I, wasn't even a run. That was sort of a, a trot shuffle thing. I think they're really trying to show you that she's getting old. You think that's what it is? I really do. Like, honestly, like me now versus me when I was a teenager, dude, no. Even her I running that slow hurt my knees. Yeah, just watching her jump up, I was like, oh my God, my knees, my back. So yeah. maybe they're just trying to really show you that she has age. You're so used to seeing young Ahsoka that. Well, if, if they keep overdoing it, if that is their goal and they keep overdoing it, they better start killing her off slowly because otherwise it makes no sense that. Because the robots yeah. don't age, right? And the robots were no. slow as hell, too. It was like, first off, my problem with that scene was the robots are tactically trained, computer programmed to be killing machines, they are assassin droids. Yet they get there, and, they wait for her, they give her that little talk scene, like wasting the element of surprise. That is against any sound tactical doctrine from any military culture from the beginning of time till the end, except for Star Wars. No, I agree with you. Because um, they're supposed to be assassin droids, so they have tactics. and They have group tactics. They're meant to work as a team. They could probably also work individually. 
Um, their armor also looked like it was made of components of old stormtrooper armor mm-hmm. uh, with Durasteel. Um, little IG parts in there. And there was some IG p- parts in there too. Uh, maybe a way to like humanize them under cloaks or whatever. Because like, why would a droid need a cloak? But um, I don't know. I thought droids were cool. They were cool. They were just slow. And again, they were war machines telegraphing yeah. everything they're going to do in slow motion. Then they fought her just as slow. They don't like if the, if the slow combat was because she was getting older. Okay. Well explain that for the robots. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, maybe it parts? was an editing error. Um, maybe it was supposed to be sped up and they just. That's an awful big oversight. If that's the case. Um, it definitely, it gave me the vibes of someone choreographing a fight scene who's never actually been in a fight. Yeah. That's, that's like a that's universal awesome. fight plan type deal. Yeah. And it's just, because it's, it's one of the first things, like there's the, the iconic scene, if you've seen the movie, We Were Soldiers, uh, where the, the, the reporter asked the Sergeant Major why he doesn't have a gun. And his answer was, by the time I need one, there'll be plenty lying around. Because it's sort oh, of. yeah, a rifle. Because he already had a sidearm. He's like, right, right. But it's, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, you have that plan until you get punched in the face, to paraphrase Mike Tyson. Right. These people that are writing that have clearly never done, like, contact sports, it, it just, it shows. Right. And so it, it's more stage-esque, like, Broadway overly dramatic, and not none of it was functional. And I would say that the fight scenes, as I remember, and it's been a few years since I've seen the originals, but the fight scenes, as I remember them from like the original Star Wars, it felt like people doing it knew how to actually fight. Yeah, they had actual fight choreographers. Um, In the original trilogy, it was for the sword sword play stuff, it was a fencer. So that's why the style looked like they were fencing as opposed to like them supposed to be like these space samurais, you know, or samurai. Samurai is already plural, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah so I don't know uh, it, it's like they're they're skimping and they're trying to get away with stuff that, at least that's how it appears it's like yeah. it's like almost the mindset like well if we if we crap on celluloid or digital and throw Star Wars on it people are going to watch it and make us money and at the end of the day that's really all the house of mouse is trying to do is make money and they want to make money off nostalgia no matter what level or era of Star Wars it is. So the um, problem with that is it's not working anymore and they're bleeding money left and right. Oh, they bled like a billion dollars in this fiscal year. And we're filming this obviously in 2023. So we mentioned Ren um, and Stabby told me in the pre-show. So I, I grabbed the scene because she thought the, uh, the scene with Sabine and the, uh, the X-Wings looked, she said it reminded her of like Top Gun in Star Wars, like that, that chase scene. So I'm giving yeah. you credit for that. And uh, I could claim it as my own and you'd be nice to never say anything in public anyway. So instead I'm giving you credit for what you said and we're gonna show that scene so you can see what we're talking about. What do you want, Porter? Governor Zadi's looking for you. Oh yeah? Why's that? Well, you're missing the ceremony. Oh, that was today. I thought you'd wanna be there. It's a big day for you, hero. Yep, well, you're not wrong. All right, look, Commander, I have my orders. I'm going to need you to pull over. Well, here's a new order. Get lost. You can't do that.
All right, so that's really all you need to see of that scene. Um, I will say I, I'm digging. I, I agree with you. It had some Top Gun vibes to that. Um, I don't know if, if you noticed uh, her helmet when they did the close-up when they were going parallel with her. It had some of that graffiti that she drew in the Rebels series. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And they use it in the opening scene, the the monument to the, the war dead that they were doing at the Sky City. It was some of that same art. On the one hand, it's like that just doesn't seem very dignified as a as a monument because the art was so crappily done. And then I realized, oh, they were using the art from the the TV oh, show. The show, yeah, the show. But I, and I get why they were why they made that decision. But man, I'm just thinking if if I died and get a got a war memorial, I don't know that I'd want it to look like graffiti artists just tagged a wall. I might yeah, prefer right? something a little more dignified. Um, yeah. But yeah, so. so research because that's what I'm good at about why that lightsaber fight was so slow and it looks like the fans have come to a consensus they're basically saying I hate it <laughs> But also that they're still trying to play, placate the prequel haters. So really they're trying to kind of kick the, the, the old guys out. Well, like Clone Wars kind of answered a lot of unanswered questions that was in the prequel trilogies. Uh, Rebels tried to do the same, the gap, bridge the gap between the Clone Wars and the Rebellion. So, I don't know, maybe they're trying to answer some questions that were left, you know, unanswered. And all pre they're, they're trying to put everything in a nice, pretty little bow, kind of tie it all up. I'll honestly say, when we sat down and we first watched Ahsoka, yeah. I didn't pay too much attention to when she was fighting with the robots and how slow that was. Just watching that just I, now, I was like, okay. That, that watching it now, I'm like, okay, that was a bit slow. It was her other fight. And she takes a knee and she does it so slow. She goes down on one knee so slow. I was like, what is she doing, brick and proposing? Because. Yes. <laughs> so, so Nick and I have gone through training because uh, you and I are both of an age when we went through boot camp, they taught us the army chop back in the day that looks like the old G.I. Joe death grip thing going on, uh, which as our drill instructors told us was just enough to get our butt kicked because it was next to useless hand-to-hand -hand combat style. Yeah. It was just enough to get your ass kicked in a bar is what they said. 
Yes. But when you went through the training motions, and then I remember because I was in when they started going briefly, it was to the Gracie method for martial for the hand to hand combat before it became the Mac B. Um, because Gracie was a pretty famous uh wrestler. Um, no, he wasn't a wrestler, he's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I thought he was a wrestler too, I thought he did both. Uh, he's known for being a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu fighter. Him and his brothers and his father. They're the ones that created the UFC. I'm pretty sure he was also Stabby, can you Google that while we're talking? I'm pretty sure he was a wrestler because there's the I'm not uh, saying he was not a wrestler. I'm telling you what he's known for. Pretty yeah, sure I remember he, Gracie, the the Gracie method at the the brothers. I'm pretty sure they wrestled too. But the a lot of people that wrestle go on to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu when they when they age out of the high school or collegiate wrestling. But anyway, when we were learning that transition, we went through all the maneuvers so we could get the maneuvers themselves right and build them into muscle memory. You went through them in slow motion. That's yeah, what this step felt by like. steps. By step steps. By step. And that's what this felt like. Like they were going through the routine in slow motion. And somebody was like, eh, F it, it's good enough. Step one, with your left arm, left hand, you're going to create a beer can grip. You're going to place it under the adversary's elbow, facing you, fingers pointed out. Then you're going to grab the collar with your right hand with an open thumb grip. Yeah, I remember that stuff. I, yeah. I got yelled at because I kept wanting to go, ha, ho, yeah. <laughs> uh, you were already in the Ranger Band. When the rest of the uh, the line basic bitch grunts grunts were going into the Gracie method, you guys were already we, probably past that. Yeah, we were the test subjects. Um, a guy named I remember his first name is Matt. His last name started with an S. I can't remember because I'm getting it. But uh, the Gracies sent uh, Hav. Not the uh, Gracie. Who did they send? They sent a, they sent one of the Gracie brothers, and did a train the trainer. They took it was like a scene out of Dune. You know, they took 100 dudes, trained them to be fighters in, in their style, and then our job was to train the rest of everybody else. So we had a Quonson hut that was filled with sawdust, and that became our combatives. We called it the Thunderdome, but that's not what they wanted it called. So that's where we were to practice Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And then from there, we added Krav Maga and Aikido and Judo. And that's pretty much what became the modern army combatives program or what we call MACP. So we were doing that in, uh, I think it started in 95. I got there uh, early 97. And that's when they re uh, revamped the program a little bit, brought the, the Gracies back. And uh, that's when uh, Julio Gracie choked me out with my own arm. Because they asked for a no. volunteer and it was something out of a movie. Everybody else took one step back and I was the only one out there. And then he's like, all right, come here. And, you know, we start doing the, like, placing hands on shoulders, like, you know, like wrestlers. And next thing you know, I'm getting choked out with my own damn arm. The left arm, mind you, traitor. Okay. So, um, their self-defense system was jujitsu, judo. Tudo and mixed martial arts and the creation of the UFC. But two of the brothers decided to take a different route. They became gardeners. And <laughs> they <laughs> they um, 
decided to do wrestling and I had it pulled up right here. Cross so training. We were, there was the wrestling component, so we were both right. Yes, right. so they did wrestling and cross training, and then they decided to try their hand with the WWC. Oh, nice. Well, that's where Ken Shamrock came from. Family. Yeah. Oh, one of the Gracies? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. two of the Gracie brothers. It was like 20 of them. I don't think it was Hoist. Hoist is that's pretty much against um, that stuff. Ryren, Renner, and Relic. All their, all their R's, we place it with an H because that's how they pronounce it in Portuguese, I guess. Okay. okay. Um, Ivan, well, Hoist Gracie, it's still Royce. <laughs> and Halleck. All right. Well, thank you for looking that up. <laughs> we don't want to bore people with our uh, our weird nerd like rabbit holes too much. Um, hey, in, in for a penny, in for a pound, bro. I mean, you're here for our insane show, right? Get on the crazy train, people. Choo-choo. Destination right, so, nowhere. So we, <laughs> uh, every time I think of a train, like I'm, I'm picturing that story in Major Pain, where, where little Charlie that or could. Or the little engine that could in Vietnam. Because <laughs> you ain't got no legs. Because you ain't got uh, no legs. You know, we ought to do a review of Major Pain just because we're veterans doing a podcast. How can oh, you? Oh, yeah. Add that to the list. Yeah. I think the best representation of somebody with ADHD's train of thought was actually portrayed in a Disney movie called uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. The CGI on that was horrible. It was. So bad. I can't believe it. It. Oh, my God. Well, that's no, an episode, too. Me just bashing it for 90 minutes. It, the train of thought comes off the rails and crashes it into an ice cream sundae. I can get it. And I was like, yeah, that that tracks. Or doesn't track because it's off the track. I could go for an ice cream sundae, actually. All right, let's get back on track to the Ahsoka train, which isn't as cool as us. But uh, so what did you think of the main characters? That's my blunt force segue to steal your ranger puns. They're not puns. That's just how my brain works. So I will say that I felt like, and this is early enough in a series that I'd, I'd give it a pass, but the characters were rather uninspiring. They did a lot of standing around and looking. I know some of that is a choreography, cinemography, cinematography decision outside of their control, but they just yeah. stood a lot, of, a lot of time just looking at the scenery. I know a lot of that was for the Uber fans that could like spot all the little Easter eggs, but that's yeah. not, my memory doesn't work so well after I got blown up a few dozen times. Um, so for me, it was just boring. Um, and they felt like they were passive, like they were just waiting for the world to happen to them. Uh, and the acting wasn't as dramatic as, as yeah. I would want for, I don't know, it just felt a little flat. I was kind of a little bit bored. Not so bored that I didn't keep watching, that I'm not willing, if you guys want to, to do a season or episode three review. But I'm, I'm struggling to, to stay on this this train. I'm, I'm, I'm on the train. I want to see where this goes and how it develops um am i willing to do a review for each episode no i think we might do a season finale let's do a middle of this season and then the season finale the episodes are 
There's only going to be eight episodes. I looked that up. So we'll do it, I guess, at season four when it drops because that's in two yeah. this week. Well, Tuesday, because we're recording this on Monday, Tuesday, uh, episode three will drop. So the first week of September will be episode four, and then we can do another review. Well, we'll hopefully it's kind of like answered some questions this thus far halfway through. Um, so I'm going to keep it going. I'm, I'm going to watch it, love it or hate it. But you, it does, but you it does feel you like it's right now. Yeah, sometimes you hate watch Disney just because you hate Kathleen Kennedy. I, oh, I can't stand her. I think she's made. I think they're setting it up. Put for her off the pasture. To take over. What? I you, think they're setting it up for Sabine to take over. But then, how are you going to call it the Ahsoka show? It's Ahsoka and the Rebels. Let's just call it what it is. Like the way that they're setting it up is. Well, perfect example, like in Bad Batch. We went into Bad Batch thinking we were only getting the Bad Batch, but we got, um, what's her name? Omega? Omega. And it's kind of becoming the Omega show, but it's still called Bad Batch. Really, it's how can we pull Omega out of the problem that she created for herself show, but that's too long of a title. And I think that's, it's giving me the same vibes, like, you want to see them together, but I think at some point it's just going to become Sabine. It's, it's just going to, yeah. That's what I think. Is there okay. setting it up for takeover? We'll discuss more later. So, you, we, so we said who the main characters were. Did you guys have a favorite secondary character? I know for me, there was no one I liked enough to care that to have a favorite secondary character, but did you guys... I, I like the I like the Jedi droid. What's his name? Oh, Huang 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 I I thought he was cool. He's kind of sarcastic. You know, I expect that from droids. Um, you know, I as a secondary character, I, that's probably my favorite one. I'm Hera all day. Hera. Hera. She had me rolling. <laughs> she just had the little quips and the little. You know, attitude. <laughs> I don't know. Chopper's cool. The droid. Because he, he's like an R5 unit or something like that. Um, <laughs> he's got that same spunky attitude as like R2. You know, it's like, oh, maybe you should do this. And they're like, hey, calm down. I got this. He's like, I don't think you do. Because you could, you could tell by the tone of the beeps that like <laughs> Chopper was given a, a hair of the business. You know, like, what are you doing? Why do you keep putting us into this crap? You know, I have feelings too. PTSD, PTSD. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would watch. I'd watch a show of all the droids from like the famous droids, like sitting in a PTSD like group help meeting. I would watch that. Show. <laughs> I would watch that. I would watch the hell out of that show. Disney make that happen. Get Filoni on it. And leave Kathleen Kennedy out of it. Then it might be good. <laughs> Just have R2 over there like, Mer. Mer. <laughs> You know, so, the arm comes yeah. out with some space whiskey. What I liked with, with the Huang character, I'm probably butchering the name, so, yeah, Droid. Um, hotel Droid, because H, Huang. Yeah. Um, when she was like, I was never that good, and the Droid was like, nope, nope, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I totally back, backed that was her up by not love. backing her up. Yeah, yeah. that was some parenting yeah. tough love. I'm like, yeah, 
You've truly, yeah, you clearly, clearly been around a lot of kids. You know exactly what they need to hear. What I would like to see is uh, like a flashback with Anakin, or maybe um, when he becomes Vader. Some, you know, someone that's going to like call her by her old nickname, Snips. You know, kind of like I don't know how they would do it, but because I don't want to dive into fan fiction, but I, I would like to see maybe because Anakin's a Force ghost now, so maybe he'll show up, and I would really like to see some reconciliation between. Anakin and Ahsoka, you know, because after she left the Order, they just, they never had contact again. Yeah. Shortly after that is when Anakin turned to the dark side and became Vader. When, and I don't remember which spinoff it was, but there was a spinoff where they were like, no, he came back to the good side in the end. And they kind of (coughs) went off to Ahsoka and you can see that she felt it in the Force, because all of a sudden she just has one tear going down her face. That was in the Book of Boba Fett. She just has that one tear. <coughs> like, she knows he came back to the good side. Came back to the light, yeah. And she I just... I, I think she probably needs a little bit more than that. I think she needs to have a conversation with Anakin. Absolutely. I do think she needs that, but you at least see that she knows. Yeah. You know what we need is the reconciliation is the scene where Vader's uh, Anakin's ghost goes into the afterlife and Padme's just waiting there smacking him in the face. Like, what the hell were you thinking, kid? Yeah, you right? you, you dip. And then he's going to hit her back with, well, at least I didn't, I didn't die because I was sad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Padme's death. Oh, that that's a whole other thing. We could, we could talk about the inconsistencies and stupidity of Star Wars. Um, she, died I, broken she, died, she lost the will to live. I'm like, what? Come on. So let's, let's speaking of inconsistencies, let's talk about the, the overall plot. And then we're going to go to some of the, the scene that pissed me off the most, which was that last fight scene in episode one. So for me, the plot, like, obviously it's about the trying to thwart the ri- the rise or re of, of Thrawn, of the empire, to prevent war. right. To prevent war, to prevent the empire from coming back. Um, you know, obviously they're trying to stop the, those bad guys from a renewed imperial government, but there was a lot of undertones of second chances. And you saw that a lot through Ahsoka. You saw that through Ren. I'm a firm believer in second chances. I think that is the greatest sin of modernity is the electronic foot footprint prevents most people from truly getting a second chance. And it's like, once you screw up once you're doomed for that, be tied to you forever. And there's no chance for human growth. I, I really think that is the greatest failing of our age. So I always am a sucker for a story of a redemption arc. Oh, I love redemption arc. I, and, and maybe this is my survivor's guilt, but like, I don't know. For me, like I like, <laughs> don't laugh, straight face. Uh, I like the idea that there are second chances out there, right? Like, because like some of the things we had to do over there were kind of dark and dirty, right? And, and yeah. So yeah, you sometimes nice wonder. Yeah. Right. And so you, you wonder like, is there a chance for me to redeem myself as a human being like the karma? Right. And so for me, this story really, that's the one thing they got right. Cause it sounds like we've been crapping all over the show and there's a lot I didn't like about it, but that second chance and they didn't like pay lip service to it. They dove in, I think um, with that scene where uh, Ren and we don't have a clip for this, but where Ren and, um, and Ahsoka were sitting at the table and she's sort of leaning back and they got the chess pieces in the trailer, the, the holographic yeah, yeah. chess game. 
and she finally calls her master. Although I don't remember in the Rebel series it that was she kinda, actually was kind of condescending. Yeah, but you know, when like, she's calling like, quote her unquote master, yeah. right? There was a lot of snark there, but that's kind of Ren's mo. Like she's Amanda, right? Like they do that. Oh yeah, um, that whole. Their only references, they're irreverent. Yeah, their only references, they're irreverence, right? Like I get it. It speaks to the inner grunt in me, right? But in that scene where you watch them staring down at each other, you can see like the almost feel the weight of all of their past mistakes, like holding them back. But they don't want to admit that they were wrong. And, and I don't even think that's a gendered thing because I saw some of the critiques out there were like, oh, such a girly. Like, dude, I've seen like some battle hardened grunt bros. I could have replaced them in that scene and it would have worked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who wants um, to be the first to apologize, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a a showdown, it's a warrior like a post thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the greatest things about Star Wars. I mean, like the the original Star Wars. I'm mean, actually not the original Star Wars, but if you take the prequels and you take um, the original Star Wars trilogy and you put them together, what we have here is a redemption arc. It's the rise and fall and redemption of Vader. I uh, thought you were going to say what we have here is a failure to communicate. Well, yeah. I mean, actually, that's what it is, too. There was a lot of failure in communication, and we're seeing that as a theme within Star Wars. A lot of these things could have been handled with a conversation, but they end up being handled by either a blaster or a lightsaber. And that's just the way the Star Wars universe is built. It's kind of like the Old West. You know, any type of sensed grievance or offense could be taken uh, very heavily, and it has to end in violence, you know, instead of having a conversation. But Apparently, we're more sophisticated than that. You know, we could have we could have saved a lot of deaths if Anakin and Obi Wan had just dueled it out at dawn. Like, I think we could have saved a lot of deaths. Like, once Palpatine was like, "Hey, I'm the Sith Lord," and he's like, "Okay, so you know that power, right, to save, bring people back from death? Tell me about that, and I'll do whatever you want." And then, as soon as he gets it, just you know, get him in the neck and just (laughs) done. Speaking of, what did you think of the plot? I mean, because uh, Nick, it sounds like you agreed with the the redemption arc and second chances. I think there's a lot. Of, I think there's two things that are going to go on in this series, and I and I hope I'm right. Um, but usually, when I think about these things, Kathleen Kennedy gets involved and just wants to stick it to me. But it's a redemption arc. It's a, a reconciliation story. Um, you know, with between Ahsoka and Ren, because like when they parted, it really wasn't the best of terms. Um, Ahsoka is going to feel guilt about that, and guilt can go to shame, and shame can go to this, and that, and that can lead to sadness, darkness, and you know, the dark side, whatever. Um, and that was always a thing that Anakin worried about in Clone Wars: is that Ahsoka could go to the dark side because she's so passionate and she's so bullheaded, she's so stubborn that it would have been very easily for her to cross that line, you know? Um, and I, I did catch a little hint of that, even though she's very reserved, she's trying to be like an older Jedi because there's not many of them left um, throughout the galaxy. So I, I think it's going to be a reconciliation arc and that reconciliation arc is going to involve Ren and Ahsoka and it's going to be through the help of Hera and, and the other casting characters in there that, from the uh, the Rebels show. So right. hopefully I'm right, because I would love to see that. What about you, Stabby? I think it's going to take a left turn somewhere. It is Kathleen I Kennedy. I want you to think 
that's what this is about. I think they're really pushing for you to think that this is just them coming back together and they're being back together, together again. Together. Yeah. Getting the band back together, yo. And then it's going to take a hard left. And I will say come out of the blue and it's just going to mess everything up. And we're all just going to be sitting there going yeah, I, I will say I didn't take. Uh, I know Nerd Roddick is passionate about his hatred of of modern Disney Star Wars, and and I saw some of his complaints, but I I don't know. My fervor wasn't wasn't that much. There were things I didn't like, but I didn't go into it with preconceived ideas, and I think that helped tamp the expectations. Yeah, um, and I've Going watched in there with an open mind helps. Yeah, I've rewatched some of the original stuff. I mean, it's good. It stands the test of time. But it's gotten in some people's heads that legendary status that maybe it never really deserved. It was a space western at the end of the day. A good one. But we're not talking about like the next Mona Lisa, right? It's not Citizen Kane by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And so I think Right. I think some of the haters, like they've they've almost sanctified it to a level that it didn't warrant. And because they've done that, well then nothing after it can can rise to the occasion, you know? It could be a franchise burnout, you know. That's um, possible. Franchise fatigue, you know, because we – I'm guilty of it too. I've, I've built these movies up in my head to be like the is-all, be-all of cinematic genius, you know, and I'm guilty of it. I, I love Star Wars. I mean, look at my living room. It's like Lucasfilm threw up in there. If I get any more collections, I'm going to have to buy a ranch and call it Rancho Django, you know. So I do have a – a very passionate love for these movies just because of how they affect me as a kid and they affected me even as an adult, you know, just because of the storytelling. But now the sandbox is open to just about everybody as long as they play nice with Disney. So when you have all these people playing in the same sandbox and they don't coordinate how the overall interconnecting story is going to go forward, and I think that was a big problem with the sequel trilogies, is that you had two directors that never talked to each other. There was never a, a continuing script of how they, there was no end game of how they wanted this story to play out. It was just like, okay, well, that's a gap. Let's fill that. Oh, there's another gap. Let's fill that. And then it ended up with Palpatine miraculously appearing. And it's like, yeah, we've seen that villain before, man. Like there was a villain in the, uh, in the legends universe, which used to be the expanded universe that it was this alien race that came from the abyss. It came from outside their galaxy and it, they blew up the millennium Falcon and killed Chewie, you know? So uh, I don't know, man, I go on tangents. I love star Wars. I love it very much. I'm very passionate about it. I'll talk it all day, but uh, my whole thing is we see what Disney is doing to all the OG stories, not just star Wars. Indeed. The princesses, the, the, all the things that built Disney into what it is, into that powerhouse. And we see what they're doing to them. They're tearing them apart. They're making them into a statement instead of what they were. And we would be completely jaded if we don't. If we don't anticipate them doing the same thing to Star Wars, 
Okay. That's my theory well, on it. That they're going to do the same thing to Star Wars that they're doing to everything else. And I've been so deep in the bunker of life that I've missed some of the shows. So I don't have some of that jading. Um, I've seen enough to know I wasn't pleased, but Rogue One was good. I enjoyed that. For all they Rogue talk about, Disney, was my, my favorite of the uh, the Disney Star Wars. It I liked felt, what I saw of Clone Warriors. I liked what I saw of Rebels. I haven't watched all yeah. of them. I do want to sit through with my, my youngest wants to watch it with me, sit through and just watch all the episodes in a row. So I'm not, like I said, it's just, I, I don't have the hatred. I, I do know that I didn't like episodes one through three. Those were trash. Oh, the prequels? Here. Yeah. Here's what irritated me the most. It gave us Darth Maul. In the, oh. in the Star Wars. So I'll give him credit universe. for that one. Luke, knowing what his father did to the younglings, he was fully prepared to kill his own nephew. Which doesn't make sense. Because at the end of Jedi, he he stands up and before the emperor and throws his lightsaber and goes, no, I will not kill my father. I will not be your tool. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Ooh, I'm not getting teary out of goosebumps. Just and then about he's it. willing to. The guy that was so full of hope in the original trilogy. You know? But here's the thing. He's willing to kill his nephew. Yeah. His nephew, a Skywalker. But then and that makes him quit training anybody. He just tosses his lightsaber. He's like, nah, I'm cool, dude. And then this rando chick shows up and he's like, Palpatine. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll I'll train you. Sure. You're a Palpatine? Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm going to steal Stabby's line on this I'll one. Train you. Make it make sense. <laughs> you got to put that on a t shirt. How, how on earth make it make sense and why there? does this work? Those are two trending. Uh, Phrases right now. What irritated me the most, like all that irritated me, but what irritated me the most is when she goes, I'm a Skywalker. No, you're not. You're a Palpatine. You're but that's getting that's getting a little bit off track because we were trying to focus a little bit on Ahsoka. So I'm going to show. Well, that's Star Wars for you. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you're passionate about it, and that's cool. That's what um, they're going to do, though. They're going to. So this. This speaking of like I've written in other people's playgrounds. I've written the, the Reservist and the Galaxy's Edge universe. I wrote my first five novels in Tim um, Tim Taylor's um, Sleeping Le Human Legion universe. Mine was a Sleeping Legion, and so I know that in order the two things you need, well, there are three things you need when you write in someone else's universe. You have to love the world you're writing in because you've got to be passionate about getting it right. You have to right. respect the fans of that universe as part of that love, and you have to understand. That the best way to do it is if you play with their characters, no one's ever going to be happy. So find the dark corners and fill in the gaps there in a way that moves the story overall forward, right? They in Disney yeah, they forget that because they always want to use the main characters, but then there's it's almost like they're schizophrenic because from them movie to movie, episode to episode, written by different people with different ideas, nothing lines up, right? Right. I can forgive yeah. that on personality because, you know, war is hell on the psyche. You can get away with a lot with a little bit of hand wavium. But when you come to, like, medical science, you mess with me. So here's why I'm going to say that medical science. We're going to watch this cut scene real quick. She's at the old communications tower. 
So, boy, howdy, do I have issues with this scene. Okay. Boy, howdy. I can forgive Ren's um, fight skills being shit-tastic because she's out of practice. They even make right. a point of showing she has put the lightsaber away. She is no longer about that life, right? So, okay, I'm good there. She has some, you know, innate skills. She was a, a Mando. So where she was good, she was good. It's, it still works for me. Shin should have left. That's the blonde chick. She had her mission was to get the MacGuffin. She got the MacGuffin. What the hell is she sticking around for, for other than plot points? Uh, and that always, when the only explanation to something is it was in the script, to me, that's lazy writing. No, okay. I can explain Shin. Shin's taunting. She wants to prove that she's the better fighter. She did prove that she was the better fighter that day. Uh, even Shin's movements were slow in that fight scene. So she was playing like a spider with a fly. And then mm. sticking around after she already got what she wanted, and maybe I'm misunderstanding your point or your or your question, but Shin was sticking around just to stick around and taunt. I beat you. I got what I wanted. I don't care who you send after me. I don't know. That's kind of how it seems. I, I think of it like I guess I'm expecting too much military from these essentially militia yahoos with special magical wizard powers. Um, yeah. Because you know you you complete the mission, it's time on target, and get the heck out of dodge. Oh, right? Yeah, you DD Mao right out of there. But right. And so I'm, for me, these aren't us. Those characters are not. But that's not my problem with it. Okay. okay. I, I get that. I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying from a statistic or strategic point, she should have bounced when she had the thing and, and, and whatever. But that was a minor irk. Um, what really bugged me is they just gut shot. Essentially, they gut stabbed uh, Ren with the Jedi lightsaber. Everyone else, including Obi-Wan and Anakin, everyone that's getting stabbed in such a way is now dead. Somehow. Oh, Qui-Gon's done that. The Jedi afterlife going, am I just a joke to you? <laughs> exactly. Because like, he's the only one that I... died from that wound. Yes. Uh, and credit to you. Uh, if you want to see the scene, um, uh, Nerd Roddick on his review, like I said, I don't agree with all of his points. Uh, he he went into it, I think, wanting to hate it. And I like a lot of his videos. He's entertaining, uh, even when I don't agree with him. Because he didn't like Indiana Jones, and you were like, dude's wrong. I loved it, right? Yeah. But 
he did a um, a montage and I a good mo- I'm a sucker for a good montage, right? He did a montage scene of everyone else getting stabbed that way and dead. He ran through yeah. with a lightsaber. Right? You get gut shot with the or gut shot, gut stabbed I with a lightsaber, that. dead. I and then Rin, no. not dead. Not dead. Right, but we just discussed No, there's more people that have survived the gut shot with a lightsaber than than died. Because I've seen another montage of that. The other night though. Lightsabers are burning hot. They would cauterize the wound. Yeah, but I guess it depends on where in the... But I just... You've read more of the universe and seen more of the universe. I haven't touched the extended stuff since I was a kid reading Rogue Squadron, right? All right, so I I can offer this maybe as an explanation. So where everybody else that's been ran through with a lightsaber, it's usually in the gut, in the soft parts, right? Right. Qui-Gon was ran through dead in the chest. So that's the okay. heart. So, so yeah, maybe that's the reason why these other characters that have been got checked by a, you know, insane Jedi wielding lightsaber hockey <laughs> stick, you yeah. know, make it through is because they didn't get it right in a super vital organ, you know, the main pump of the body. That's, All right. that's also assuming that humans in the galaxy far, far away have the same anatomy as us as far as internal organs. That's true. Now I sound uh, like an ultra nerd. No, I, I don't know. That's the one thing that stuck out. I'm like, oh, so she got gut shot just like blah, 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 blah. She's dead. And then yeah, the next yeah. scene, like in episode two, she's in the hospital. I'm like, like I was screaming on freaking television. I'm like, are we a joke to you, the lore nuts? Oh, I did my nuts, horrible nuts. N-U-T-S. Don't try to pronounce something differently. I realized how that my horrible Qui Gon impersonation of that. I'm like, am I a joke to you? <laughs> but yeah, that that really bugged me. That that it felt like that that everyone I remember getting stabbed that way died. Yeah, because they set the precedent that that's instant death right there. Yeah. You know, Once stab through the gut or stab through the chest or somewhere in the upper upper body. You know, right. And, these ones are like, oh, I spent a day in the box to take, and I'm ready to go again, dog. Let's do this. And that automatically gives her like a step up in the world, I think, in, in the Star Wars. Gives her street cred? Not like that. Hmm. I got like, stabbed and didn't die, yo. And I didn't die, yo. Yeah, like, I didn't. Uh-huh, science, witches. <laughs> no, not like that. That's not what I mean. I mean, in the the Star Wars universe, not in the show, but in the overall, overall, in, in, the, in the galaxy. When I'm saying it looks like Sabine's going to be taking over for Ahsoka eventually, I think that puts more into that. Are you saying that it's like they're building her to be a legend? Yeah. Like a... Um, yes. Like an urban legend, like Luke Skywalker, they they kind of played on that in season two of The Mandalorian, where Luke Skywalker shows up and they're like, "Why is this? Why is uh, Moff Gideon so scared of this dude? Because this dude was an urban legend. He blew up two Death Stars. He took down Vader. You know, he killed the Emperor. So they think because he walked into the second Death Star, Vader dead, Emperor dead, exactly. Empire dead. You know, exactly. So as so they're building a legend. I think they are because as she takes over for Ahsoka, because that's what that's the way I see it going. If it doesn't, cool. But she's the only one that can say anything. 
got ran through by a lightsaber and I'm still alive, yo. Facts. Now you might be onto something there. We'll find out as the tale progresses. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just that that really bugged me for some reason. I just remember that stood out to me. I think that bugged everybody. Yeah. We all saw it and we're like, oh shit, they killed her off the bat. Oh, that would have made me mad. Killed her episode. So we'll talk about the cinematography in a minute, but here's another scene that bugged me from a tactical point is the uh, the dogfight scene. Uh, and you and I talked that this is one of the scenes we wanted to, to grab. So we're going to show that real quick. Keep your lid on, Chop. All right, so first, I didn't necessarily care as much about Ahsoka fighting slowly again. I will say the first thing I noticed when I saw that was like, wait, there's three of them. Because at first I thought uh, Mr. Dual Sword was a, was a bot. Yeah. And there's only ever two Sith. But then they explained that they're not actually calling themselves Sith. There's something new, the Dark Jedi or something new. So uh, I, I could forgive them that, but it definitely it took a moment on that one. But what I did notice... I grew up around the naval shipyards on the East Coast, right? I know what their security looks like. There was no way in hell the major shipbuilding hub of the sector of the galaxy just randomly goes along and they've got no security for a dogfight over their airspace. No, you have Ready Fighter One ready to go usually. Yeah, so if she had, if they had made a nod to it, like I get budgets, I think that's where Nerd Roddick and then created content nick and i from the fiction side and we understand sometimes the limitations of the plot the needs of the story like sometimes you gotta you gotta work with a little fudge the numbers so to speak like somehow one push up becomes three and it just happens because buddy needed to pass right his, his wife was pregnant and, you know stuff happens um having lunch Right. Well, no, but no they're they're ready to go at a moment's notice if they had said if she had radioed in one line uh, do not engage, stand back. Something to the effect where she was telling them not to because her, her line about why I'm not shooting it down, well, you know, it would crash over the city. That's perfect. I, yeah. I'll buy that. But the they broke out. Yeah, but they were... So all they had to do was acknowledge why they didn't have air support covering her and that scene totally worked. But anybody who's been around the Navy and especially Navy aviation over a Navy base, that just, that doesn't work. It doesn't fly. I can offer you an idea that might work. Okay. But I can only offer the idea. So <laughs> they were that, <laughs> and there's a chance. Coming back to food. Oh, I love food. <laughs> I'm gonna eat dinner so hard after this. But uh, so they had already kind of made the premise that that planet has imperial loyalists to it. And you okay. can see that they had already infiltrated the command structure Fair. of shipyard operations. So what if, it's a big what if, 
even the uh, the defensive, the QRF, so to speak, was also they were imperial loyalists. And they're like, mm, maybe she'll die. Cool. And if you that know. was the case, the other answer is again, you just need one line from someone who knows what the hell they're doing when they're writing military forces. It's like, where the hell's my QRF? Where the hell's my air yeah. support? And one oh, line again, and that's pretty much where my idea falls apart. <laughs> Because there's it's nobody, so, nobody. It's, it's the lack of even acknowledge it. It's it's one of the things that I learned uh, when I was first working with with Jason Onspach with that the book. And I'm like, I need to do something that technically is probably not very military, but the plot needs it. Are you okay with I with me doing this if I can just throw a one line justification? And he's like, as long as they know that you know, that as long as the audience knows that you know, and you're begging forgiveness with that you know two bit explanation, most of the time they're going to go with it because they want the rule of cool. Right. Yeah. That applies to just about everything when it comes to fiction. Like, oh, give me absolutely. just enough to hang my hat on so I don't have to feel like a sucker for seeing what is obviously wrong and, and ignoring it. It's like, yeah, I missed this the first draft. I'm throwing this line in here so you don't like tar and feather me. I'm with you. Thank I you. saw it too. I'm just as upset. Low Siento. Let's move forward. Hope you guys. This is not the mistake you were looking for, you know. But see, but even with that, like if you had given either of the two explanations we threw out there, hey, we're in, we don't want it to shoot this down over the city, or where the hell are you, you freaking loyalist scum? Any one of those one-liners, it doesn't even look like a mistake. It looks like you meant to do that all along. Yeah, it, it plays off that oh, the writer knows what he's doing. He just hits you with a head fake. Right. So, eh. but stabby made. Yeah, Stabby made me promise that this would not be another we hate everything Disney, let's just crap all over it for two hours because, oh, my God, we can talk Star Wars, <clears throat> mostly Nick. Um, but so let's talk about what they did right. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. No, let's talk about what they did right. Oh, my God, the cinematography. Like, that hits you right in the field. I, I could have watched this on mute and enjoyed the hell out of this. It was beautiful. Um, here's the other thing. I'll, I'll hit you on the reverse, on the opposite side of that argument you could have watched it on mute i could have watched it without picture because the dialogue was was really good it was intenseful it was dramatic um it tugged on heartstrings at certain points i really liked all the colors that they use they made sure everything was very bright and vibrant when they wanted you to which which i think is really good as a juxtaposition is that everything looked used it looked like it went through a decade war yes you know and even so the scavenging yeah, the scavenging too. Um, I, I think there was a lot that went right with this, even though like the story, we're all kind of just trying to figure out like what the hell are they doing. Um, visually, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I love seeing Ahsoka with her with her two sabers. You know, I I like the uh, the costume design it was very rebels. It was also very classic trilogy. Uh, there was a lot that went right with it. Um, I do have questions about the story. Hopefully that gets answered. Uh, hopefully the fight choreography improves. Um, I did love that they brought in an Inquisitor lightsaber in that last fight between... I, I don't, they, did they give that character a name? I didn't see it in the credits, but kind of looked like a knight, but he had an Inquisitor lightsaber. Um, I thought that was awesome. So, sorry. So when they when they wanted there to be color, they made sure that it popped. And I think that goes with the whole Ahsoka thing. Cause she is orange and she does have the white and the blue 
had these things. That, that, there's a history of that in, in most of the Star even in the original trilogy. But there's like, bright, vibrant colors for their aliens. The world looks like it's been through war. They they did a, they did a great job on that. But then you have Sabine come in with her phoenix hair. Yeah. And it's bright and vibrant. You have Hera come in and she is just so green and, and bright and vibrant. Stabby dyed her hair that night. I did. She's like, oh, Phoenix hair, I'm bringing it back. I got the colors. And I'm like, gotcha. yeah. So, you know, it's the colorblind in me, but I didn't notice as much. But what I did notice, and this irks me in a lot of these stories, is you see like um, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate SG-1. Like the guy dies and they just leave him there with all his equipment. I'm like, hello, have you never dealt with uh, supply and CQF and, and all of the paperwork? No, you grab that crap. And then in SGU, they, they didn't do that, but they hated it because it was too dark. Uh, I'm a Stargate nut as much as you're a Star Wars nut. It's it's like you don't know when you're going to get resupplied. You don't waste anything. And in a pinch, yeah, you're grabbing the pins and you're reshelling those bullets yourself. Oh, we used to tell each other in Iraq, if you die first, we're splitting your gear. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That was that was the running joke as we broke up our uh, our pre-mission briefings. Is like, you know, if so-and-so dies, we're taking his whatever. And then it got a little awkward when Whitey was like, if you die, I'm taking your wife. And I'm like, no, sir. That's a bridge too far. Oh. Yeah, I was like, I didn't need to be consoled, but maybe not that way. Uh, He was a little too short. He was one of those short kings, as like Napoleon complex. She she might have not not been okay with that. He's shorter than you. He was well was. But anyway, whoa 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 over the line. I know I got little legs. Short (laughs) legs. I got short legs. He's five. Whitey was five four. Poor guy. Five four. Oh, he was wow. He barely made it. (laughs) He barely like, uh, and he had the attitude to match what he lacked in height. All right. But anyway, so so like I like I like that they were scavenging these large hyperdrive engines to reuse them. Like to me, that felt real. Like waste not. Yeah, long uh, enough, right? yeah exactly. Uh, hyperdrive technology in pretty much any medium is hard to get. Um, or any story. I mean, Stargate, uh, Babylon 5. Uh, Galaxy Quest. Gal- Galaxy Quest, yeah. That is something. an amazing... You know what? We're going to review that movie, too, because it's just amazing. You're just throwing out bangers tonight. Write that stuff down. JR, I've waited so long for us to do that show. I love I love Galaxy Quest, and I, I kind of hope that they made multiple sequels <laughs> like Star Trek, because yeah. that was a funny joke. You know, that inspired an idea of like aliens come to the planet and they start kidnapping like cosplay nerds because they think like the, the 501st Legion and the, the, uh, the historical documents. Right. They, 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 I mean, could you imagine if they came and they're like, you got David Weber's Space Navy, the Star Trek Space Navy, the hate, like all of these fans. Like all these franchises that have fans that are wearing the uniforms and organized in ships, they were like, "This is a powerhouse of nautical space technology." They will help us control the peace in our universe. Uh, 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 uh. Anyway, I hope they're the same type of aliens. Yeah. Oh, they kidnap because they think he's Vader. <laughs> but anyway, oh okay. So that might actually be too much fun with that. Yeah, but so, like, um, I like the idea 
uh, of the angles. I liked it that they used with the filming. I like the, like you mentioned the colors. I didn't see it as much cause I am colorblind, but it was definitely, you noticed the distinction where it was supposed to look bright and pretty. It did. Even if what I saw uh, wasn't what you saw. Corellia. The, the like lights. Going to, yeah. The, when they go into Corellia, it's so bright. Yeah. It looked like I was getting ready to go to like Maldives or something like that, that there was like a really nice beach community I was about to go to, even though it was or, filled with space shit. Or Caroline was asking us to step into the light. Yeah. I it, mean, just, it, was, it was so freaking pretty. Well, even it was like, like, oh, how do I mark a vacation spot to Corellia? That's awesome. Even their patches on their leather jacket. Yeah, they were very colorful too. They were very bright, like bright red, bright orange, bright yellow. You know what? There's something that, now that we're talking about colors. Um, Sabine's armor in Rebels was bright and colorful, but it was also beat up. You could tell it had been through some crap. Um, and then when she brings the armor back, and she's trying to get back into Mando Jedi mode, which never hadn't happened for a thousand years. Um, just a little insider knowledge, a little behind the scenes geekery. Um, Hers was bright and vibrant, no damage. It's kind of like when uh, Boba Fett redid his armor in the Book of Boba Fett. Touched uh, it up. Yeah, touched it up. Tried, tried to get the dent out, but you're not going to get that dent out. Um, I had a point. I was going. It was so colorful. It, it was very colorful, and it was clean. And it almost was like a visual telling of, all right, I'm starting in. Starting over. You know. And, and I like that. I like when they use costumes as storytelling devices. You know, it's like, okay, this is supposed to tell you that Sabine has washed away her anger or whatever and, you know, painted her armor because she's ready to start again and commit herself to the Jedi Order. I just, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. But then again, I'm a dork. No, I mean, I, I definitely noticed the, the rebirth with the armor. She even changed kind of like uh, the designs in her armor. Like she had a couple, she had the, her primary colors. You know, that, that mauve and that, um, she has so much, uh, yellow. She, she had the, it the was colors. the yellow, the orange, the purple. But it also the showed Phoenix a sign, yeah, it showed a sign of maturity too, because she had like that creature in Rebels, like over the left breastplate. She had like a, like a graffiti design going on there to show that she's a rebel and she's like, like, you know, I listened to the Sex Pistols, but now she's kind of yeah. like, no, this is cool. I like this. It shows where I came from. It also shows where I'm going. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Her repaint on her armor was the same color of her hair before she chopped it all off. Before she gave it the chop. Because her hair was purple into If you want to go full purple again with your hair, I'm down for that. And that was the same color as the patches on her it was the same colors in her before she chopped her hair. That's another thing. Let's talk about the patches. They they look like stuff from from Earth, like like unit patches. Yeah. Um, her leather jacket has the rebels patch. Motivational patches, things like that. Yeah. Her leather jacket had the rebels patch on her shoulder. Yeah, but did you notice that all the rebel pouches were tilted at a they forty-five tilted, degree angle? But it was bright red. Yeah, it, it definitely caught your eye. You know, where most people, most of the rebellion, when they wore patches, they were streamlined with the seam of the arm. You know, it was very militaristic. They were all twisted. You know, but uh, Hera and Sabine, all of theirs were at a, like a gangster lean, forty-five degrees. 
Oh, I know, because I looked into the cosplay jackets already. Okay, no, that's going to cost me money. all of them, I had to sit there and look at them like, okay, let me go back and look at them in the show, because is it supposed to be tilted like that? Yeah, because it was uniform. But I'm wondering if that was just their little group that did it like that. I don't know. There's, I have questions now. Yeah, I, like you said, um, they they did set up, and then, like we said, the cinematography was well done. I have no complaints with the use of angles, the lighting, the perception. It was nice seeing everything in like the. Is it 3D or no? What what is it? H ah, 4A 4K. 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 There we go. You can tell I'm not a techno head, right? There's a reason I, I was trusting electronics. Just saying. Just man Cut the, the red wire. wire. Cut the red wire. Don't listen to him. He's colorblind. He doesn't know what red is. But um. Now you just weight shaming. How dare you? What? He prefers chonky. He prefers chonky, not fat. First and foremost, husky. Yes, when we were kids, it was husky. I was a husky kid. Me too. <laughs> I'm a husky adult. <laughs> Eight years of working at Home Depot and cutting wire for people. I'm telling you, the red wires are always fatter than the rest. Of them. Are you going to bet your life on it in the clinch? Yes. I'm just going to rip all the wires out. I did. I was not a good student at uh, basic demolition. Nobody have let all my go. fingers. Yeah. So, so like I said, there was a lot that I, that I liked. It was it played on nostalgia. I think they leaned into the nostalgia too much. Yeah. But you know, you've got to give a series room to grow, and they've got to build their base. And like Stabby pointed out, they have to try to regain the fans they lost. And if that was their goal with the nostalgia for episode one and two, and then it kicks off at episode three, I'm okay with that. I I think you still even it's. Even if you're pulling legacy characters or semi-legacy characters or known characters, you still have to build a foundation for where the story's going. And I think, I think that's, that's what they're doing with the first two episodes. So I, I, I hate, I love more about this show than I hate about this show. I'm kind of neutral. I got like nit, nitpicky shit going on. I think they're at the point... It's the first two episodes and they're just saying, okay, look, we're on this planet. This is what we're looking for. This is who we're trying to meet up with. This is who all's going to help us do that for right now. And let's throw in a little bit of action just to make it more Star Wars. But I think basically what these first two were was like, we're on this planet. We're trying to get to this planet. This is how we're trying to get to there. And this is who we're after. Okay. Yeah, I, I just some of what I'm seeing, what my complaints were, the plot was sacrificed for the nostalgia points, but as long as they don't do that every episode, <laughs> I think that's a, it's a minor complaint. What do you, do you what think do you that was to me all the time? What's that? Um, maybe it'll like, further why the would plot. They, why would they even put that in there? Maybe it'll further the plot. Maybe it'll further the plot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, um, I think, I think they're building the base on nostalgia. Yeah, I'm interested enough. I'll watch episode three, even if we don't do a review, and just kind of decide from there. Um, I do think that those that hated it went in there wanting to hate it, and when you go into something wanting to hate it, it's easy to find reasons. No, I go into every Star Wars thing that has Kathleen Kennedy's name in it. I want to hate it, and sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. 
So you got to find that that middle ground. It's like I want to give it a chance. I want it to succeed. Why? Because they're going to make more shows. You know, maybe yeah. eventually I'll get my Rogue Squadron show. Oh my! Or Clone Commandos. Hello. Oh, oh, Republic Commandos from the yes, books. the Karen it's Travis books. Oh yeah, those were awesome. And she gave them personalities. And they, oh. oh, and they brought the armor into the second season of Bad Batch. So you had the Republic Commandos in there. I, that that was my childhood right there. And I've talked to her since I started writing, and she probably would not want to hear that because it would make her feel old. Yeah, don't do that. But, I mean, I grew up reading those books. And then the Michael Stackpole books. I think it's Michael oh, Stackpole, right? so awesome. Something uh, Stackpole. Yeah. He did a few of them. Um, uh, I want to say Timothy Zahn did one, too, maybe. Zahn did all of the Thrawn stuff. Oh, he did, yeah, the Thrawn trilogy. And he also did Air the, Did he do Air of the Empire? I'm going to make you so mad at me. The only Star Wars books that I have read is the OG3. Why would I be mad about you? Now I get to introduce you to the Splinter in the Mind's Eye. One of the I greatest Star Wars novels ever made. Anything past that. All right, so we're going to have to plan this out into season three and four and five. We've got plenty of books and movies to review. We really should get a pen and paper when we do these episodes and start writing this crap down because I've already we forgotten got, all what we know. We got it down a video, bud. We just have to rewatch it. Do you actually go back and watch your own episodes? I don't. I upload them. I hate my own face and I hate the sound of my voice. Me too. I have a face for radio and a voice for print. That's right. Um, are we getting ready to sign off? We are. So we're going to, I was bringing it home. Can can I can I can I do Joe Bob shtick on this one because I really want to do it? Sure, go for it. All right, the count. We got fifteen dead droids, four dead Republic commanders. Uh, we got three Jedi, two bad, one good, one learning. We got one hair chop. One hair. We got one judo chop. We got lightsaber food. We got droid food. We got aerial combat food. Um, Lester's Blades Academy Award nominations go to Rosario Dawson in the role of Ahsoka Tano and the wife of Ewan McGregor, also known as Obi-Wan Kenobi, as General Hera. Three out of four stars so far. I say check it out. <laughs> okay. That? Did I do it? Is it yeah, I'll, I'll give you a close. So we, we should probably script it more, but I think our shtick is that we just don't prepare that much. Like, Oh, that's totally our thing, dude. Like, like we just so it. Good. And then he screwed it. But that's a shtick, man. He's got hair chopping food. Hair chopping food. That's right. So little, uh, I, I, I would never remember if I scripted it anyway with my brain damage. So I just do bullet points of like what we want to talk about. And then I just have a fun conversation that I nerd out with my friends. And I'd be doing this if we weren't filming it, too. I mean, you and I have sat for hours between episodes where, that we didn't record it talking about this shit. Yeah. Like, with all the different nerdy yeah, stuff. And like, I, and we should keep that going. Chime in. We should just keep the recording going and just be like, okay, at this time point, this time stamp here, that's where the show officially ends. <laughs> Bonus content for the Patreon. Yeah. And then, and then, there's then we about need... Our we need the knife foo where Stabby comes in and be like, hey, you two, shut the hell up. He needs to go to bed and he hasn't even eaten dinner yet. And now he's going to be blowing my toilet up all night because I made Mexican food. 
Actually, I made uh, spinach and stuffed chicken. Cheese stuffed chicken. I right made the rice. Yeah, started. It's one of the times. One of the times you did make Mexican and you did complain that he would be blowing your toilet up all night. That was vine for lime from you. Yep. Yeah, that's a given. And then the night that <laughs> I, like I earned food, my nickname like was uh, Spaghetti and Meatball Night. Oh, yeah. Oh, so we need to – well, anyway. All right. So uh, you like the show overall, Stabby. What was your opinion? Because Nick and I have already rambled ours. I am going to finish – Series. Okay. You want like, to give I a, want... a quick rate, real quick, so far? Like maybe, I don't know, three out of four stars, like I said. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm at two <laughs> stars. I'm at two stars right now. You're at two stars? I Fine. know that it's, I know. I don't know. You hiked it up one. so much after the show. I thought you liked I, it more than that. Okay. All right. I, no, like, that's fair. No, the costumes are on point. The world building is on point. The story needs some love. The fight scenes need some love. I'm giving them two out of four stars. And on the fence. I yeah. hope it gets better. But I yeah, also might watch shows. I think on the fence is a little bit better than apathetic. That's probably more realistic because I do love the visuals of Star. I'm a sci-fi nut anyway. So I don't yeah. necessarily – any franchise that does a good spaceship or space battle or space marine, so whatever, like I'm down for it every day. Twice on Sunday. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the aesthetics of what I'm seeing on the screen. Yes. The story does need a little work. I think our biggest two gripes is the story needs to be – consistency to the lore. Yeah, and the, and the fight choreography. I mean, as far as like all the other metrics that we talked about tonight, I think those two ones kind of like lacking in luster is not a bad thing. Two out of four. So you got, I don't know. I don't know how many other subgenres we talked about. It could be two out of five, two out of four. I don't know. I'm going to keep going. Maybe it'll further the plot, see where the story takes us. J.R. Hanley gives it three out of five grenades. It's explosive good time. Oh, grenades. Oh, I should have said three out of four lightsabers or three out of four death stars. I do all of mine on the my oh, jarahandley.com website. I always do a grenades instead of stars because it was just my shtick. And now that my reviews go over to upstream, I can't do that anymore. So we're going to do that here. It's explosive Stab good time. Stabby can do daggers. Absolutely. Daggers. <laughs> yeah. Right, and uh, for for those of you that listened only, if you weren't picking up what they were laying down and we need to do a better job describing the scenes when we show the clip, let us know. We can address that. Um, we, we don't want to assume you're as dumb as the average grunt, so we try to think you're, like, smart, like, I don't know, admin people who can read and stuff. Grunt stronger together. Urgh. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So you can find us on our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash Blasters and Blaze podcast. Again, link tree backslash Blasters and Blaze podcast, where all the things are linked. BitChute, Rumble, Twitter, email, Facebook group, all the things. Uh, at Twitter, we're at SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Email Blasters and Blaze podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook is groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast where all the shenanigans happen. Be sure to drop a comment, join the discussion. When we have guests, they will always be able to read those comments. So you can talk directly to the people brave enough to get on the crazy train. Woot, woot. Uh, we have our website at anchor.fm backslash Blasters and Blades. 
Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. We are working with a former uh, guest, fan of the show, friend of the show, Mr. Rick Shaw, author extraordinaire, wrote the um, Patmos Revelation, I believe, um, or... He wrote a book. We interviewed him. I should probably have checked that, but he's going to help us host a website. He's a computer person. He makes the whirly bird go boom, boom, click, click stuff. I don't know. I'm not so good with computers. Ugh, Nick, it's your fault. I don't know why, but you were the officer, so you get to take the blame. Uh, yeah, I was also cross-trained as a tech dude, a combo dude, and a medic because we were bored and didn't have them. And I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I did the. I did the lick him and stick him combat lifesaver course, and you missed four times. I finally got it right. I passed the test, but suddenly no one wanted me to sign out the aid bag. I don't know what that's you gotta, about. You got you got to get him in the neck. I'm just saying that Sergeant Major had to step in because no one else would let me take my final test after I botched the first three, and he just looked at me in the way only a Sergeant Major can, and he's like. Specialist Handley, you will get this right, or I will eat your nuts for lunch. Do you like so, your nuts, son? And I, I got it right. Story. True story with the EMT, the the doing the IV, the jab, which was part yeah. of that lifesaver. I didn't use a subject. I did it to myself. I never seen a SAR major get so green and almost throw up during the scenario. We actually he's had like, a special. Go ahead. Because uh, I was, he's like, "Hey, uh, where's your subject?" And I'm like. That's me, Sergeant Major. He's like, you need to do it to yourself? Watch that, Sergeant Major. He's like, okay. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> it was a bloody damn mess, man. It looked like a like nine vampires attacked me. But I got it in. I got the stick. I got the flash. I got the fluids running. And he's like, all right, here we go. Uh, my favorite was we had this guy named, uh, we called him. We called him Kentuck because we were creative and he was from Kentucky and he would do anything for a dare. And uh, they bet him $10 and we basically all put in $10 to see him do it. And he ended up making like a thousand bucks that day to eat a dung beetle from the source. And there was this happened to be a, a rather dark skinned African-American um, SF type that was there running the range. And he came to see what the shenanigans going on were. And he's like, he's not really going to do it, is he? And I'm like, sorry, first class, he's going to do it. He's, he'll do anything for the right amount. He's, he's going to eat no, that no. turd like an apple. <laughs> he grabbed the dung beetle out of the turd, ate it. That that uh, oh. dark-skinned man became rather pale, um, almost as pale as me. Uh, he did not pass oh. out, so props to the SF community for that guy. But uh, he was um, looked like he might die when this kid ate the dung beetle from the source. I can handle a lot of stuff, like licking blood, uh, you know, as a gag. Eating poop, that's where I draw the line. I'm like, mm, I'm <laughs> grow up now. This is where I'm um, away. I, I don't know for sure that Kentuck isn't with us anymore, but he also drank from the Tigris and the Euphrates. So I'm pretty sure he's got super mutant powers if he isn't dead. Oh, he's immortal now. He's going to live forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with that being said, you can finally also support the show over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska and Nick Garber, duly caffeinated. They will drink until the coffee pours out their earballs. And then when they're done, we will sharpen the blade that Stabby uses to cut him with because she needs a new whetstone. You do, right? That wasn't a lie? Nick said no, you needed to No, she knows how to take care of her blades. 
Unfortunately, okay. but I also need coffee wounds. because it's PSL season. This is true. She needs her pumpkin spice latte people to go with her Uggs. Do you do have Uggs to wear when you drink the PSL? Right? It's like required. Yeah. Yes. I bought her Uggs. <laughs> All right. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us for Nick Garber and Doc Saska. I am Jer Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And we'd like to give a special round of applause to Madam Stabby, who is now officially a co-host. So when I'm not being lazy, we will actually get on and update the little bio uh, about us, whatever that stuff is. Um, so we'll have, what, three nerdy veterans and a Dependa and an angry Dependa. Oh, I don't know. Does it count if she married me when I wasn't in it anymore? I don't know. No, I'm a brat. She's a brat. We'll just call her a brat. She, you are a brat, honey. I'm a brat. But angry Dependa has a little bit more of an oomph to it. Yeah, yeah but also it's like a uh, corn kind of You can't call me a because I never got TRICARE. That's true. She never Ooh, got TRICARE. And on that note, thank you for sticking with us. This was the longest episode we recorded in forever. You're welcome. Don't hate us.